Imperial Media presents The Brooke Taylor Show Encounter, Adventure, Evangelize And now your host, Brooke Taylor As promised, we have tracked down the miracle hunter himself Michael O'Neill in preparation for a special program Airing on EWTN featuring Servant of God, Rhoda Wise And in the last bonus episode here on the show I sat down for a rare interview with Darlene She's the granddaughter of Rhoda Wise In that episode, we talked about Rhoda We talked about the remarkable life of this servant of God And the perspective of a grand daughter who actually grew up living in the home, hearing the stories. And in fact, Darlene remains a regular fixture of the home greeting and praying with pilgrims still today. So on today's show, we will revisit Rhoda's story, give you everything you need to know ahead of the very special show airing on EWTN, They Might Be Saints. And joining me now, the author, award-winning television host, Michael O'Neill. Hello, welcome to the program. Hey, it's great to be with you. You've tracked me down today. I did. You know, you must have one of the coolest jobs ever because when we first connected, you had just wrapped up with the film crew in Canton at the Rotowise home, and then you were in Ireland. I mean, what an amazing adventure that God has entrusted you with. What brought you to Ireland, and was that for filming or fun? Well, I guess with the O apostrophe in my last name, I have to, by rule, I have to visit <laughs> once. <clears throat> no, it's uh, it was for filming for the Explore series on EWTN. So that's a, a travel series for EWTN where I get to go all around the world to the greatest places of Catholic miracles. And I was in France earlier uh, earlier in the past year and, uh, of course, filming at France and the Miraculous Metal Chapel, etc. So we identify all these great places of miracles and then we do a little travel show, a half-hour show, where I get to travel and tell the story of these incredible occasions where God has graced uh, humanity. Were you at Our Lady of Knock? I know I know you've covered the shrine before, I think, right? Or was this a different location? So this for Our Lady of Knock was one of the six locations that we did film. We filmed over the course of a week and we added uh, six new episodes, which will be airing uh, sometime in the next year. But Knock is definitely one of those. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that uh, people who go to my website, MiracleHunter.com, know that I've tracked you know, as many as 2,500 Marian apparitions throughout history on their website. But Knock is one of these perhaps top 10 most famous of uh, the highly approved visions of the Virgin Mary. So it was great to to get to go there with for my, with my Irish heritage included. But it was a, a very special event. Yes, what, what a consolation. And we want to talk about Rhoda. We're going to get to this episode. But before we do that, I, I do want to touch on your own story. You are a former engineering student from Stanford, recognized expert on Marian apparitions, creator of the documentary series, They Might Be Saints, and book as well, the program, The Miracle Hunter, airing on EWTN. So I, I have a, a radio show which airs on Saturdays at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern and 7 p.m. Eastern, and then I have two television shows, one on Friday called They Might Be Saints, as you alluded to. That's at 5 p.m. Eastern time, and Rhoda Wise will be the next episode. And then I also do this show on Saturdays, Explore with the Miracle Hunter, and that's uh, Saturdays at 6 p.m. Eastern time. So uh, I've, I've definitely got a busy schedule ahead. Yes, not a lot of sitting around. And you've also been on the Megan Kelly show. I've seen that episode, Dr. Oz. And in print, National Geographic, Stanford Magazine, National Catholic Register. Little quote that I saw from Vanity Fair writer Maureen Auth, and she said of you, I call him the Virgin Mary's number cruncher. I really respected him because he was very fact-based. And this was based on a story I know you were working on with her about the worldwide devotion of Our Lady of Mary. And so, 
that's where I wanted to start with your story, because although I know you have a lot of television and, and writing gigs and radio, as we just heard about, it sounds like a large portion of what you do is research. What is true and what is apocryphal? Yeah, that's exactly right. I think many people who perhaps are just getting acquainted with me or my work, they might assume that somebody called the Miracle Hunter who has a television show or two and writes books is hook, line, and sinker into everything that's called a miracle. Well, I'm a, I'm a skeptic as much as I am a believer, and hopefully that gives me a little bit of a cre- of credibility. I, I think perhaps that traces back to my engineering background at Stanford. I'm really data-driven. I'm interested in what, what can be tested, what can be shown as true. And so, um, you know, I think that when it comes to, to miracles, I, I don't believe in everything, but I do rely on the church, you know, to rule these things out. And the question also comes up, does the church always approve everything? Very rarely, when you look at Marian apparitions, 2,500 in history have been claimed. Uh, perhaps as few as uh, 16 have been uh, approved by uh, church authorities. So it's a very small number. And that's important because we want to be in concert with science. We've talked about that. We know the saints have affirmed that. And I think your credentials really lend credibility to this work and to the lives of the saints. And I, I don't anticipate when you were at Stanford, though, you ever imagined that you would be on this road. How did that happen? Yeah, it is a good question. I think that many people want to know this uh, because you know, you don't, you can't uh, major in miracles. There's no such thing. You, you know, any university in America or the world, you can't find that major. So this is really something that was a, a personal interest of mine. I think growing up Catholic, my mother had a great devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe, and we have our own personal miracle stories that we attribute to Our Lady of Guadalupe. So I think uh, growing up, you know, I was fascinated by St. Juan Diego and that tilm, that miraculous tilma of Juan Diego's uh, that bears the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And so I think that that was always in my head growing up. But then I went to Stanford and I uh, ended up taking an archaeology class and I had I wrote a paper on the tilm of Our Lady of Guadalupe and that kind of set me going. And I said, someday when I grow old, I am going to really sink my teeth into this and study miracles, you know, and it was partly due to the advice of Condoleezza Rice, who was the vice provost at Stanford at the time. And wow. she said, you know, become an expert in something. Sure, go ahead with your engineering major, but do it for yourself. Become an expert on something in the world. And miracles was my thing. So I started digging into it and I set up the website miraclehunter.com and then Dr. Oz and Megan Kelly and National Geographic all came calling eventually down the road. So this has really been a dream job for me, and it's a way I can combine my faith and also uh, my work as well. So it's, it's a great opportunity. How did you find out about Servant of God Rotowise? It's a, it's a good question, and I think that for better or worse, uh, I've got my fingers on the pulse of miracles uh, throughout the world and the United States especially. And so when uh, when I wrote the book, uh, They Might Be Saints, which f- features 24 venerables and blessed. These are the people on the path to sainthood going from servant of God, venerable, blessed to be saints. I've sort of uh, had my eye on all the American sainthood causes. And so there's as many as a hundred. And like I said, there's there's a much smaller number that have advanced to the second and third stage. But Rotowise has always been a fascinating story for me, in addition to just being on the path to sainthood. She is an incredible woman of faith who went through some extreme suffering and difficulty in her life and had some real miracles happen in her life. And so being the miracle hunter, I think her miracle-based story uh, has always attracted me. And then the fact that there's a home, the Rotowise home that you you mentioned that you visit, 
that's always been a place that I wanted to visit because I know people come in large numbers, both when Rhoda was alive and after her death, and they are claiming miracles happening there at that house. So I think uh, we don't have all that many of these physical miracle locations here in the United States, but this is one of the top ones. So I was excited to do a program on it. And for those that don't know, I want to give an introduction to Rhoda, and and no doubt we're going to do the abridged version because this is why your EWTN special is so important. You will go into more of the depth, the details of her story. But just if you could give us a quick overview about the life of Rhoda Wise. So Rhoda Wise uh, was born in 1888, born in Ohio, and she actually died in 1948 So in Canton. So you can see that's the span of the years of her life. And she was a woman who was uh, not raised Catholic, but she went through some serious difficulties, both growing up through through the Depression. Her husband was an alcoholic. She had difficulty conceiving children and adopted two of them. The first uh, died, actually, at a very young age. And so Rhoda had some serious problems, including health problems. She had this 39-pound tumor in in her abdomen that needed to be surgically removed. And she later had a a broken foot that was just a recurring problem that she would have casts on her foot. But I think one of the interesting things, the way that God works, is he puts us in the right place at the right time. So despite having to spend so many hours and days and weeks in the hospital, she was introduced to some nuns who actually brought the Catholic faith to her. And Rhoda was attracted by that especially the devotion to the little flower, St. Therese, and the rosary, and the sacred heart of Jesus. So I think she picked up those devotions through her interactions with the nuns, and she actually ended up converting to Catholicism. And her her uh, conversion was sort of fast-forwarded because they expected her to die, to go home and die. And when she went home back to her house in Canton, she actually received some visions of Jesus and the little flower, St. Therese, and she was healed of this wound of uh, her abdomen, this tumor, that the, the incision there that had been just constantly giving her difficulty and they ex- assumed she would die, that was healed. And her broken foot healed by St. Therese. And there's all these mystical phenomena that surrounded her, including the stigmata, which people might be familiar with Padre Pio, the great stigmatic from Italy, perhaps the most famous one in history. But we've had a few here in the United States and Rhoda Wise was one of them. And so from 12 to 3 p.m., perhaps on Fridays during the war, strangely enough, Rhoda would have these wounds of Christ from her hands, her side, her feet, and even her forehead and her eyes would bleed over the course of hours. And there would be people in the hundreds or thousands who would line up to see this. This is a little bit of a freak show, I'm sure, for people who didn't know what was going on, but an absolutely amazing thing that happened. And Rhoda turned out to be such an incredible woman of faith that after her death, people still come to her home and her cause is being proposed to Rome as her being a saint. So it's an absolutely amazing collection of things. There's nobody else like her in the United States uh, with all these mystical gifts all aligned in the same person. So Telling her story is a great one, and EWTN is especially interested in the story. I'm just thinking of all the other miracles, knowing Rhoda's life. One of the biggest miracles, you had, of course, the stigmata. You had the healing of her skin, complete new skin around the area in which her bowel was exposed. You have the visits of our Lord and this bright white light that would come from a window and that people would gather to see. But what she said was perhaps the biggest miracle of her life was that her husband, George, who was a raging alcoholic, was healed. In addition to that was a young woman, and that was Rita Rizzo. So can you share a little bit about what happened there? 
Yeah, I think that it's such an exciting element to the story because this program is airing on EWTN, of course, being produced by EWTN. And Rita Rizzo, for those people who uh, who don't know, but I'm sure most people in Canton will know that Rita Rizzo went on to become a nun. And she became known as Mother Angelica. Mother Angelica, of course, founded the worldwide reach of uh, evangelization being EWTN. So without Rhoda Wise, perhaps there's no EWTN. I think that's a, a fairly safe thing to say. And for all of us who are blessed to do radio and television and books with EWTN, you know, that wouldn't be a thing either for me. I'd be doing something else if, if it weren't for, for Rhoda Wise. So I think she had a great impact on that young girl, Rita Rizzo, who came and she didn't really have a well-developed faith, but her mother brought her to the home of Rhoda Wise and she prayed with Rhoda and she sort of learned the rosary and the devotion to St. Therese and prayed that novena. And as a result, you know, she had this stomach ailment that was quite serious, I hear. And so she was healed completely from that and that kind of freed her up and opened up her mind and heart to a vocation. And that uh, led to her becoming Mother Angelica. So it is a great little side story, a big side story, as you might say. And it's such a special thing that it'll, it'll be airing itself on EWTN. I know you visited the home, you had a crew, the Miracle House in Canton, you captured on-site footage, you have interviews. I saw there was a trailer with a dramatization as well. So what can we expect from that episode? Yeah, I think that it, it's an amazing thing to try to bring all this back to life because Rhoda Wise experiencing these incredible uh, events in her life. So we're, we're talking about visions of Jesus and St. Therese. We're talking about the stigmata and we're talking about these great healings, including that of Rita Rizzo. So what we do on these episodes is we tell the story of the future saint through interviews. We interviewed the bishop, we interviewed those people proposing her cause, the historians, the authors, and even uh, people related to Rhoda and who had met Rhoda. So it's a great collection of people who give their uh, give their input on her. And we pair that with on-site footage, you know, both drone footage and, and filming of the of the home itself so people can get a real feel of what it would be like to visit the Rhoda Wise home. And then we also, with, with actors and actresses and makeup artists, we did the whole deal. We, uh, we brought that stigmata back to life, captured that on film. And, you know, an absolutely amazing thing to sort of try to tell this very complicated and beautiful life of Rhoda. So uh, I think people are going to be excited to see this. Was there one thing for you personally, maybe more than one, that really impacted or surprised you about Rhoda's story? Well, I think that it's amazing, number one, that she wasn't Catholic, but God opened up those doors uh, in a very uh, uncomfortable way, so to speak. She was stricken with these uh, health problems and had to go into the hospital, and that was what opened the door to her becoming Catholic. But I think what's amazing is that if you visit that Rotowise home in Ken, as you've done personally, you can really get the feel of what it would have been like for Rhoda to live there. You see, you know, her her small chapel and you see the holy water and the chair that uh, she claimed that Jesus uh, appeared on and sat, sat on. And you see the cast that came off of her foot through a healing with St. Therese. So all those artifacts, those relics, as you might call them, perhaps someday we'll call them that, uh, all these things that uh, come to mind, you know, you, you can get the true experience of the life of Rhoda Wise from visiting that home. So um, sort of piecing all these things together to tell the story that attracted so many hundreds and thousands of people to come over the years to visit Rhoda. And uh, now we get to retell the story to a whole new generation of people. So I was so honored to get to spend time there at the Rhoda Wise home. 
And, and when you say the home, it is very small. It was a depression era shack that even now it's small, but there was an addition added on. So for pilgrims to come and to be able to watch the video and just see, as you mentioned, the relic, there are photo albums. So you can see during the era, it, black and white, obviously, of the, the window that is a light with our Lord. And I'm curious if you drill down into this particular aspect of, of the miracle of the visits of our Lord. Did you see those pictures where the light is coming? coming out? Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the photo album was one of the most impressive things to see at that Rotowise home because you do have photo documentation of Rotowise receiving the stigmata. I mean, it's absolutely incredible, the, the suffering that she went through. And then, as you mentioned, there are photos of the house from the outside where hundreds and thousands of people would, would gather in line. And especially on the nights when uh, Jesus was said to appear, you see these lights emanating from the home. And Yes, you always have to take into account that any of this could be a hoax. And of course, I'm like I say, I'm a skeptic uh, at first, but the story of Rhoda Wise and her life of virtue and all the people who surrounded her at these times of the stigmata, at the times of Jesus, their testimony is there. And so you can see that light emanating from the house during those reported visions of Jesus. So I think it's, it's an amazing thing, the, the documentation that exists even today. And I think for if and, and God willing, when, Rhoda is made a saint. I just wonder her patronage, her intercession, because I think of her as, you know, I already ask for her intercession of those that feel rejected because people did doubt her, even priests. And even there are stories in the book, her name re means Rose, in which she recounts in her diary, people whispering behind her in mass and saying she's a fake. Troubled marriages and how our Lord was able to restore that to those who have lost children or suffer infertility. Stomach ailments, the ailments of the foot. There are so many times that I'll have a prayer request come in and it's like, we'll call on the intercession of Rhoda Wise. And I do want to talk about that because on October 7th, 2016, Rhoda's cause for beatification was opened in the Diocese of Youngstown. And this included one documented presumed medical miracle. And I actually haven't heard the details of that miracle. And I'm wondering, Michael, I know you, you're an expert in this across the world. How does that work? Is that information sealed only for the prefect of the Congregation of the Cause of Saints, or can anyone obtain those details? So when it comes to canonization miracles, and I, and I, I detail this in my book, They Might Be Saints, we have, or we have to do things in the correct order. So the first thing is that the servant of God must be established as someone who lived a life of heroic virtue. And while they do collect miracles now, and there are numerous miracles attributed to Rhoda, and perhaps one in particular being considered in Rome, before they do any of that consideration through the medical commission at Rome, they must establish that the person has lived a life of heroic virtue. They don't want to get the cart ahead of the, the horse, so to speak. So they don't want to have this huge stockpile of miracles that they're attributing to somebody who perhaps didn't live a, a saintly life or a holy life. So they want to make sure that they, you know, open up all the closets, lift up all the rugs and just find all the details through all the interviews with people who knew her, the people who experienced healings through her. They want to just make sure that everything lines up and that she's declared venerable before they blast ahead and uh, investigate the miracles. So that has to happen first. And in my experience, that usually takes five to 10 years after the positio or the academic position paper detailing her virtues before that is being is that that is reviewed at the congregation for the causes of saints so it's it's a long game the canonization process but uh I think a lot of things point uh, positively to Rhoda being declared venerable. And then, like we say, there are miracles being considered that will lead her to blessed and then saint someday. 
It's exciting. You can catch They Might Be Saints weekly on EWTN and the episode featuring Servant of God, Rhoda Wise, tentatively set to air Wednesday, July 6th. This, is that right, Michael? I saw there was an update with the with the airing. Yeah, I mean, I think that people can go to EWTN.com TV and then click on the, the schedule link to get the update. But I know for sure it's showing on July 7th at 10, 10 a.m. Eastern time is one of the showings, but they always add, add different showings. So I encourage people to uh, to go to the website, EWTN.com, and find that TV schedule, and that'll tell you exactly when the RotoWise program will be airing the different airings. And, and really, all of your episodes, they might be saints. I saw that you have Solanas Casey, you've got Augustus Tolton. If people want to watch your episodes past shows, maybe they miss it one week or don't have EWTN, is it available on demand or on your website? Yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you a couple of secrets to watching the show. One is, is that it actually airs every single week at uh, 5 p.m. Eastern time on Fridays. So they, they air sort of in a, in, a, in a cycle. We've done about 15 of them. So, uh, you know, you can tune in for 15 weeks in a row and you can see all of them. But if there's a specific one you're interested in, you can go to EWTNRC.com, which is the religious catalog, and you can buy it. Or you can go to ondemand.ewtn.com and they have an on-demand service where people can download them. And then any of the programs that we've done in the past, we also uh, open it up for the causes to feature those episodes on their website. So if you were interested in a particular St. Solanus Casey, if you go to the Solanus Casey Guild website, uh, you'll find the episode embedded on that website as well. So there are different ways to watch it, and uh, EWTN makes it quite convenient for people to catch up on, on past episodes. I mean, 15 weeks, I feel like we are in the classroom of the saints, you are our professor, and I don't think we could be in better hands. So that sounds fantastic. Good to know. We'll link that up in the show notes as well. By the way, a mass on the anniversary of Rhoda Wise's death will be held on July 7th. It will be celebrated at 6 p.m. St. Peter's, Cleveland Avenue, if you're in the Canton area. And then there will be a showing of the episode at the Basilica of St. John Social Hall in McKinley Avenue. That's also in Canton. And again, I will put all of this information in the show notes. Michael O'Neill, thank you for taking the time to spotlight the heroic life of Servant of God, Rhoda Wise, all that you do to enrich, teach, illuminate, inspire souls. I just signed up for your newsletter. I know that's where you give updates on your work. Where can we sign up for that and connect with you? So people go to my website, miraclehunter.com. They'll find all the links to my books, to the shows, and to the radio show. And there's a big link for the newsletter. If you go to the homepage, people can go to that. And perhaps once a month or so, I'll send all the updates, including everything related to RotoWise. Servant of God, RotoWise, pray for us. God bless you, Michael. Thank you. And just a few programming notes before we wrap up. Jessica Echeverry is the wife of a deacon, Deacon Charlie in the Diocese of Los Angeles. She is a mother of five, a Catholic writer, speaker, pro-life activist, sharing her story of abortion, homelessness, dabbling in New Age spirituality, and ultimately healing and living a faithful Catholic life serving others. There's so much to her story. And I recently had a chance to sit down and interview her. And it was on the day, the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, that the SCOTUS ruling on Dobbs was released. It was on Relevant Radio. And her story is worth hearing and sharing. So I will link that up in the show notes for you. Also on that same show is a conversation with Coach Joseph Kennedy. He's the praying coach. Do you remember this story? It has been out since about 2000. 2015 that this has been tied up, gone 
gone to the Supreme Court twice, which is almost unheard of. And his endurance, his family, his story is really remarkable. So that's all in one show. And if you haven't heard, by the way, the Supreme Court did also just rule good news in his favor. So that is a big victory for religious liberty. So I will link that up in the show notes. And Father Lawrence Daniel Carney III also recently joined me on Relevant Radio to talk about his new book. It's called The Secret of the Holy Face, The Devotion Destined to Save Society. I cannot say enough about this book. I just enrolled in the Arch Confraternity. And so when you hear the prophetic graces of this devotion, I think you will too. Again, it's Father Lawrence Daniel Carney, and I will post that particular program for you also. Just check the show notes. And finally, big, big news. You're hearing it here first. The time has come. Father John Michael Paul and I are officially announcing a new pilgrimage to the Holy Land during Lent of next year. So this will be 2023. In fact, we will be in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. That will be the finale of the trip. So you will be home for the Triduum, celebrating Easter Sunday, freshly back from Gethsemane and Calvary, the Sea of Galilee, all of the places in the life of Christ. We have been working on the itinerary for this trip for a while, and I am so excited. There are elements of this pilgrimage unlike any other that you will find. So stay tuned. Registration details will be out. I'll be sharing those on the social media platforms, the newsletter, and more. I pray your summer is going well. And remember, although I've officially retired this podcast, I do hope from time to time to be publishing special episodes like today. So stay in touch. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube as well, and also via the newsletter. God bless you. A big thank you to Mark Cumming from Coming Home Studios for producing this show. Lord, show us your face and we shall be saved. Amen. 